Hi, this is Pastor Rusty Gunther of First Baptist Church of Blowing Rock, and I'm excited about the program you're about to hear. This was recorded live on August the 11th, 2013, and we were privileged to play host to a young man from Rwanda named Alex Sinjimana. He is a survivor of the Rwandan genocide back in the 90s, uh, losing his grandmother, his uncle, and his other guardians to that genocide, uh, seeing them killed firsthand, being placed in an orphanage, and it was in that orphanage he was able to receive an Operation Christmas Child shoebox. And through that gift and through all that God continued to do in his life, uh, he has an incredible story that you won't want to miss. I hope you enjoy it. In the middle of the service, there is an eight-and-a-half-minute video that we showed live. That video is not available yet from Samaritan's Purse, but when we have that video, we'll place it on our Facebook page as well as on our website for you to be able to see uh, the incredible story and the visual effects that go with it. But you'll enjoy his testimony. Uh, I hope it blesses you as much as it blessed us live. Here we join our 930 service in progress. Pray with me. Father, we can scarce comprehend your amazing grace. Father, it is so deep and so rich and so full. And Father, we just ask now that you would begin to speak to us, that you would begin to challenge us, that you would begin to open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to your will and to your way. Father, just ask that uh, you would be with each person here as they would allow you to speak to their hearts and that they would be open to your will father i just ask that you give alex a supernatural blessing and anointing to share what's on his heart and that god as we are touched by his testimony that father it would leave us changed in your name amen you guys have a seat it is very rare that as a pastor um, we like to give up the pulpit uh, we are selfish, whether you know that about pastors or not. Uh, very rare that we don't want to preach, and that's why it's so hard when you have guest preachers. Uh, the pastor always wants to come up and preach afterwards, and so we always have to watch that. Uh, you've seen preachers do that, have someone preach, and the pastor gets up and preaches that sermon again uh, the way they thought it should have been said. So it's tough for us, uh, not to not to be speaking and sharing and sharing what God's laid on our heart. But uh, when I heard Alex's story... Uh, and then saw his video, I, I was compelled by the Holy Spirit that I wanted this church body uh, to be able to hear it and to be touched and to be changed. 
Uh, it is an incredible, powerful testimony, and it is a great testimony to, to God's grace and God's mercy. I, I know I made Alex nervous. He's been here the last couple of weeks worshiping with us in the early service, and I think last week I said it was incredible, and you're going to be blown away, and uh, I remember preaching one time, getting to preach at a large church, and the week before, the pastor said, this will be the best sermon you hear all year. And, you know, you, you set the bar kind of high. It makes you kind of nervous to share. Uh, but I promise you, uh, I have undersold uh, the grace and mercy that Alex is going to share. So I want to encourage you to listen to his testimony. Alex, send you mine now, right? I finally got it right. Come and share with us. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks uh, for sharing the pulpit with me. So it's a great honor. And um, I just want to start off by kind of uh, telling you how great this place is and how I've been enjoying uh, being in, in, in Blowing Rock and Boone area. It reminds me a lot of, like, uh, a lot of home of Rwanda, the mountains and the view. Except uh, I thought I skipped Minnesota thinking... Uh, I was escaping the snow and the cold, but I guess it, I brought it with me. I brought all the rain with me. So <laughs> if you need someone to blame, uh, maybe you can blame me. But, uh, <laughs> but and it's been a, a joy to be here in Boone and in and Blowing Rock, and I'm looking forward to see how God continues to use uh, his testimony he's given me to tell. But I want to start um, by telling you a little bit of uh, history, very, very briefly, to kind of give you a background of the history of Rwanda. Uh, Rwanda was colonized by, by, three, no, by two countries, the Belgians and the Germans. And when the Belgians came and colonized Rwanda, they divided the people of Rwanda in three, in three tribes. And the Hutus, the Tutsis, and the Tua. But when they divide those tribes, the colonies wanted to create tensions between the two because of uh, land issue and the the colonies wanted to have their way to have to take everything that they, they could. But when the, the monarchy, which was now considered to be Tutsi, um, they, they, um, they did not like the fact that the, the colonies divided people of Rwanda. So when they, after the, the division of the tribes, they, the colonies create tensions between the two. And those tensions continue to grow to the point where Many people, many Tutsis were being tortured by the, by the Hutus. What the, the colonists told the Hutus that the Tutsis are bad people, they're going to take you, they're going to eventually wipe you out. So in 1959, there's many people who fled to Uganda. And to kind of give an idea how brutal, how really terrible it was, they used to measure the length of your nose to figure out what tribe you are. So these were not, they were made up, just a, a manipulating system that came in to, into our country. They would, they would measure, the, measure the length of your nose and say, if you're very tall and you're very slim, that means you're Tutsi, and if you're very short and very muscular, that means you're Hutu. So in school, they would take roll calls according to what tribe you are. But after that, after those, uh, the separation, con the tensions continued to grow and grow until even 1994, when the president of Rwanda was assassinated, the, the killing began. And the, the killing began, and I was living with my grandmother and my, my, two, my, my, two, uh, my two uncles and my, my sister. 
uh, in a small town in the suburb of the capital city. And when we heard that the president had, had been assassinated, we were so scared of what would happen to me and my, you know, to all of us. So my grandmother decided to tell us to, hide, to start hiding uh, in, in our coffee plantation. That, that morning we hid, and in the afternoon we came back, and we, the militias came to our house, and they, wanted to, they started asking us um, um, where our, our grandmother was, and so they told us to go outside and lie down. And our grandmother came out too, and they uh, yelled at us kids to go back inside the house. When we got back in the house, they killed our grandmother. And we were left with so scared, and we didn't know what, what would happen to the rest of us, and even our two uncles, because we're known to be a Tutsi family. In the, na in the neighborhood, people knew that we were Tutsis. So a week later, 100 men came looking for our uncle, and they could not find him. And they searched all over the house, and they couldn't find him, and they left. And th three days later, three men with guns came back to the house, and they said, he's under the bed, let him get out. And we, now, me and my brother and my sister, we were so scared, because if you lied to these, to these people, they would, uh, they would kill you too. And they were killing the young generation to, uh, to wipe out the young gen uh, uh, to wipe out the generation. And they were killing also the people who were supporting the families. Um, let's say one of, our, one of our uncles was known to be the one who provided for the family. So they wanted to wipe that route away. So our uncle was hiding under the bed and they told him, they, they, figured, out, they figured out where he was. So he came out and they asked for his identity card. At the age of 18 and older, you, have to have, you had to have an ID, and it said what tribe you were. And, of course, he was a Tutsi, and also, they also took his life right there. Now, we're left with one uncle who was protecting us, and little did we know that that following week, these same militias would come to our house and try to take our lives, uh, too, but he would stop them and buy them beer. So when, he, when, we had no money, when he had no money left in his pocket... He told us to run and go to the capital city where our aunt lived. When we got to the capital city, the city had been destroyed and the so it, cooking was, was tough because of all the water supply had been destroyed too. And my aunt and her husband came up with this idea of selling, um, selling local beer in the, in the house so they can make, it, you know, can make some money to, to provide for the family. So these militias would come in the house and they would you know, buy, buy a beer and then they would go. But what happened, one of them managed to make it into the backyard where the family was, and he threatened to kill us. And he said, everyone lie down. And he was loading his gun, and in the process of doing so, all the bullets fell to the ground. And when the father came, he's like, what are you trying to do with my family? And the guy said he was joking, he was playing around. But he wasn't playing because if his gun would be loaded, I wouldn't be standing here. So there were so many incidents that happened in that house. The city continued to get worse, and we had to pack up everything and run. And we would run, and wherever the night would find us, that's where we would sleep. And we come to a point, we, re we ran at a length of two months. While we were running, one of, uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know God at this time, but after looking, ba looking back, I can see how God was protecting me, and in a humorous way, 
some of you have had a few, a few of this detail. That while I was running, I had, some, I had a bullet come from my head and I could not find how to react. I was uh, six going on seven at this time. And I slipped in something and fell to the ground and in the process of falling, a bullet just touches, touched the hairs of my head and had slipped in a cow pie and fell to the ground. And that's why God used to save my life. <laughs> so <laughs> he has a sense of humor. <laughs> So always be prepared to hear his humorous time. But after, after that incident, we, uh, we saw these soldiers come to our rescue, and it happened to be Tutsi rebels who had fled to Uganda in 1959, and they had come back to stop the genocide. And they took us to a camp, and we were there at this camp for a while. And now we, we lived in this camp for about two weeks, and they said, send at least two people to go back into the city to see if your house is still there. And when we got, me and my relative, we, went, we walked to the city and we found out they had broken all the windows of the house and they had tried to destroy the house. But the miracle was that um, there was a coffee table in the middle of the living room that, um, and on that, table, on that coffee table there was a cloth on top and there were keys to the main doors of the house. All these two months were running these guys who came to our house and lifted everything out of the house, put it by the door. They never bothered touching that table. And that's how our belongings were protected. So God made them blind of that table. So we cleaned the house and we saw we had our neighbors who had also come back right after the war. And we thought they were good people. We thought they were prepared to, um, you know, to welcome us too. But my relative told me this back in 2008, that that night um, I cried and cried to go to use the bathroom outside around 2 a.m. And she wondered why in the world I would be crying in the middle of the night to go to use the bathroom outside. And so she, she gave up after 15, 15 minutes of me whining. And she took me. At the moment I entered into the bathroom was also the moment those neighbors who we thought were good people, came and broke into our house. And they said, where are those cockroaches? Where are those tall trees? Cockroaches and tall trees were the ideology names that the people, the militias used to dehumanize the people of Rwanda. And so they said, where are those cockroaches? We want to finish that family off. And so we, she also came to the bathroom and hid for a while. That morning, we, came, we went back to the camp. And when we got to the camp, we stayed another week, and the whole family came back to the city. And my aunt and her husband started getting sick, and they wondered what would happen of me and my brother and my sister. Um, my grandmother and my uncle, my uncles, the only people who were left to take care of me, uh, had been taken away. And so she wondered what would happen. Uh, my mom had died when I was very young, about the age of four, and I didn't know any history of my dad, and my mom died of HIV, and so that was, they were the only people left to take care of me. So across the street from where we lived, there was an orphanage, and my aunt decided to take me into the orphanage, uh, me and my brother to the orphanage, and during that, while we were living in this orphanage, that's when a ministry of Operation Christmas Child came and they delivered boxes and I can remember how excited I was just open these gifts and see these toys and, and um, 
toiletries and something that I, I could call my own that could distract me from what happened during the war. But um, God op- continued to open doors for me to come with the African Children's Choir and, uh, and toured for two and a half years and then went back to Rwanda in 2000. And the, 2000 and then, but God opened another door for me to come back in 2003 and came back to the U.S. for education and lived in Minnesota. But I'm going to show you a video, and then after the video, I will tell you how I came to know the Lord and how, what, how God has continued to heal me through, through that and how um, he continued to heal, me, to heal me even up to today. So. Yeah, while, while we're getting ready for the, uh, for the video, I keep uh, telling you uh, what the Lord has continued to do. Um, I got an opportunity to go back to Rwanda uh, with Operation Christmas Child recently in, in the spring. And it was a, a great trip to be able to, um, to, show, to, to, to hand out the gifts in the same place that I got mine. And just seeing the smiles and the, the, the hope that was given to these kids. When I received my box in 1995, I was reminded that God um, really cared, cared about me. I asked myself, um, I asked myself why in a, about a million people lost their lives in a matter of three months. Why me? Why was I left? Is it? Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the technology. Yeah. Uh, but I asked myself, why, why am I alive? Um, I was right there when everything happened. Uh, yeah, that's the, I, was hap- I was there when everything happened, and I wanted... Um, they could have killed me, too, but I, I didn't kill me. So, Why? And I asked God if there is, I asked, asked myself this question, if there is a God who cares for his people, why would he let all this happen in Rwanda? And I could not find answers to that. And as, I continued to pr- as the African Trans Choir was teaching me about God and challenging me, that, telling me that Jesus Christ loved me, I wondered, does he, is he really there? And I was searching for something, searching for something to hold, to hold on to because I was, uh, I, was, I was angry and I was bitter towards the people who killed my family. The people who killed my family were not strangers. They were my neighbors. They played with my family. No, they, they were friends of my uncles. They were our neighbors. We, had, we, we did everything together. And so it was that, that was, that's why it was really hard to accept. And... I was just really, really lost and asking all these questions and I could not find an answer. But I remember uh, reading, continuing to read the Bible in the little English that I knew and, and in my Kinyarwanda that I, that, I, that I knew at that time. And I'm making references, reading the Bible. And I could remember specifically reading one verse in Jeremiah that really connect, re- resonated with me. And this verse, many of you know it. It's been used so many times. I sometimes don't like to, uh, not that I don't like the word of God, not like to use it, but I know because people, um, people can uh, take it a different way. But let's look at the video and then I will continue on with the, with the story. Uh, 
God is still faithful, and he helped me understand that um, when I came to know, to know him, I continued to be challenged that the people who killed my family were also created in God's image, and he loved them just as much as he loved me, and that's something that I, I, it, it, took, it took a long time for me to accept, and during, um, during my tour with the African Transquire, the people who came continued to pour into my life helped me t- to understand that. And I was so blessed to get the opportunity to, uh, to sit with that young man and listen to the story of how, why, why did he come to attack my family and why did he do so, but to also really share the message of love and forgiveness and the same love that, we, that God has for me is the same love that he has for him. I came to understand it in, in this way that he loves him this much. Let's say if we, we can't put you know, a length to how much God loves us. You can't even understand it. But let's say he, he loves him this much. He doesn't love, um, he doesn't love me any less, but we're all in the same, same love. It's equal. Just because he killed doesn't mean he loves him less and loves me more. And that was something that I was, it was hard for me to understand and receive. And, but I just want you to know that God is using many... Uh, many projects to bring hope to children and I was so blessed to be able to be part of Operation Christmas Child and just receiving that that love and receiving and being able to hand it back to the kids in the orphanage and if you can take one thing from today is that no matter what you've gone through no matter what you're facing right now that God is still there he hasn't left um, while I was running through the war, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with him. And that was everything that, I, that happened. I thought it was a coincidence. But after understanding how the plan that he has for me and how much he loved me, I couldn't see it as a coincidence anymore, but I saw it as a part of his plan. And it was like someone just took off uh, a cloth off a big paint, a, pic- a picture that someone had, had been painting for many, many years. And that was, kinda, that was my, the time when I came to know him. And so be encouraged that he's, he, he's with you in whatever you're going through. And uh, the God who, is, who did that and who has continued to heal me is still healing me even up to today. I'm nowhere near perfect. And I will, and I will never be perfect. We will never be perfect, but with his love and his, him in our hearts we can reach to that point. So be encouraged in that. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share that story. And I pray that it can also be bring healing in your life and continue to see how God continues, continues to work in your lives. So thank you very much.
Amen. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. We're glad to have you. Amen. Amen. I appreciate Alex's testimony and his ministry, and uh, I don't know that any of us in here could relate um, to what he went through, uh, but we can all relate to not deserving God's love, and, and he poured it out on us. Uh, from an orphanage to wherever you grew up to wherever you had an encounter with Christ, he reached out to you with his love and with his forgiveness and with his grace and his mercy. Uh, how much more are we called to do the same thing? To reach out to those around us that you know today, uh, that you work with, that you go to school with, that you sit with, that need that love, that mercy, that grace, and that forgiveness. Uh, who would have ever guessed that a shoebox packed somewhere in the United States uh, would make such a difference? Uh, not just in Alex's life and his family, but in all the people's lives that Alex has touched through his testimony and his willingness to forgive. Uh, Alex has a heart for missions, a heart for ministry. Uh, he is here in the States right now, but his goal, his passion is to go back to Rwanda and do ministry, reconciliation, forgiveness, and love. And uh, at the end of the service, we're going to sing in just a moment. But as you leave, the offering plates are around. Uh, we're going to take up a love offering for Alex and his ministry, uh, for what God wants to do. And I know you've already given your regular offering, so it's above and beyond. But as we pray in just a moment, I want you to pray about how you can be supportive of what he's doing. If you write a check, you can write it to First Baptist and just put down in the, the memo, Alex, uh, and we'll make sure he gets that. Uh, everything that gets taken up uh, at the end of the service will all go to him and to his ministry and to support him as he takes this message around and shares what God is doing in and through him. Would you join me in prayer before we close? Father, we thank you. Uh, for the forgiveness and the love and the grace and the mercy that we just heard about. Father, all of us have experienced it, those that are followers of Christ. But God, I pray today that if there's someone here that has never experienced it, someone here that's never embraced what that forgiveness is, what that grace means, what that mercy means, that God, right now, wherever they are, they would just ask you to come into their heart. Father, it's not difficult. Just a simple prayer. Right where you are, Father, forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Father, I need you. Come into my heart and save me. Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts. Father, there may be someone here that the whole reason they're here this morning is because they're struggling with forgiveness. They're holding a grudge. They may be mad at you, God. They may be mad at a parent, a grandparent, a teacher in their past, a brother, a sister, a child. They hadn't been able to forgive. They've been angry. Father, I pray right now you would just let those hurts slip away. Let those things that they're holding back slip away. Let them forgive in their heart. That person or those persons that hurt them. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for what you did in Alex's life, what you do in the thousands of other children around the world who receive gifts. Millions. That we could play a part in that. Thank you, Lord. Bless each person here as we worship. In 
your name. Amen. Would you stand as we worship? me. 